0: You know, as I have been uh, thinking about this series that we're in at the moment, uh, Your Holiness, this series on holiness itself, I've been thinking about the Christian life, and I've come to realize that really what it's about is essentially what is important to us. You know, think about this from your own perspective. We've talked lots in the past about what the idols of this world are, and they're not statues, as once was the case in the days of, of Scripture. They are those things that become more important to us now, Uh, than God and we worship them we think about them they're so important that we live for them you know I was thinking of Jesus when he was talking about the seed going in different types of soil Um, uh, I believe it's Matthew chapter 4 and he said there's some seed that goes in soil and it grows up but the weeds grow and choke out the life of God in us what are those things well number one it's the worries of life the things we worry about they're so prominent in our thinking the deceitfulness of wealth, the lies that we believe about wealth. Oh, if you get wealthy, you'll be happy. It's not true. The desire for things, the material things. That sometimes we think if we could just have those things, then we'd feel fulfillment and joy. And uh, they become so important to us. You know, following Jesus, being a Christian, as James has just said, it, it just means following Christ. And, and it comes down to what we focus upon. It comes down to what we deeply desire in our hearts. And as we kind of re- re-engage this series on holiness, um, I'm going to challenge you to think about that. What do you really care about? Uh, what, what do you really desire for your life? What do you focus your life upon? We're going to look at a, a pretty important verse today, start there anyway, regarding holiness. And I'm just going to read, we have lots of verses, by the way, that I'm going to fly through them because I think each one of them is important. And I'm doing so because of that passage Jesus spoke, the word of God comes and it takes root in our hearts. I hope your heart will be open To what God says today. And you let it take root in you. Alright. So rather than just referencing some verses. I'm going to read them. But Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14 says this. Critical verse for our thoughts today. Make every effort. Note the words. To live in peace with everyone. And to be holy. Without holiness no one will see the Lord. Make every effort to be holy if you would. The uh, English Standard Version says strive for holiness. The New Living Translation says work work. At living a holy life. Now, the whole idea is that, man, you've got to focus on this. You've got to work at it. You've got to give it attention. You've got to embrace this. You know, in this series, uh, you know, essentially what I'm wanting to do is to put holiness back on the table. I want, I want to raise its profile again. And if you've heard previous sermons, you'll recognize that, that what I've suggested before is that a few uh, generations ago, the, the church became very legalistic. You know, judgmental and critical of people and, and, and condemning. Really focused on rules and regulations. And we've had a, a swing toward the grace and the love of God, which is a wonderful, dynamic, and beautiful thing. That's, that's where we ought to be focused. But in the swing away from legalism, it seems that we have forgotten about holiness. We've forgotten about what it means to follow Christ and to, to be holy as I am holy, as God has said. So we need both. We need to to hold on to the love and grace of God, and we've got to recognize that God calls us to a holy life, to turn away from that which he calls us to turn away from. We need both. Now, uh, I want you to know that this this, um, focus is all over Scripture. I don't know how much you read the Bible, but you can't read the Bible and not recognize God's call to holiness in our lives. And I'm speaking to those who are followers of Jesus. Those who are committed followers of Christ and take God's word, of course, to be its truth. Look at 1 Timothy 6.11. Look at this verse. And here we're going to go quickly. But you men of God flee from all of this. And he's just referenced all kinds of sins. And pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. You see that idea of pursuing righteousness? That's what we're talking about. Next verse comes to us from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. It's it's like like the writer of Hebrews is coming along and said, just get rid of all the junk in your life. Get rid of all the garbage that's harming you and, and harming your relationships and harming society. You know, all the things that God doesn't want for you. Move away from it. Move beyond and fix your eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith you see that idea of focusing on christ and what he is calling us to now i want to i want to give you some reasons about why why we should be holy again straight from scripture number 1 let's go back to hebrews 12:4 and i'm just going to reference the last verse in this sorry hebrews 12:4 i believe so for yes hebrews 12:4 no, hello, Hebrews 12.4. It's the verse I just read right at the beginning of the service, or the sermon. Uh, that's not it, is it, boy? 12.14, I am sorry. 12.14. You probably have that on your page. Make it every effort to live in peace with everyone and to, be, and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And it's almost like if you're a serious follower of Jesus, it's like, What? No one will see the Lord without holiness. Here's the point. If we're not living a holy life, we're blind to who God really is. Isn't that remarkable? We need holiness in our lives. Number two, Psalm sixty-six, eighteen. 18. Really interesting, cool verse. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Cherishing means holding on to it, not repenting from it, valuing it, prioritizing it, keeping it, not repenting. You know, if on the one hand we can't see God, we're blind to God because of a lack of holiness. On the other hand, you know what happens? <laughs> God is deaf to us. That's remarkable. You want God to hear your prayer? You want God to, to, to take your prayer with real and utter seriousness? Strive for holiness. Move toward it in your life. Number three, we, we can essentially honor God by moving toward holiness and living a holy life. You know, uh, Psalm 52, we're going to read um, uh, in a second, verse 4. This is the confession of the great king David of Israel who had murdered Bathsheba's husband and committed adultery with her. And he is now confessing to God his sin, which is, of of course, the appropriate and and good thing to do. But this is what he writes in verse 4. Against you, you only have I sinned, speaking to God, and done what is evil in your sight. So you're right in your verdict and justified when you're judged. When you judge. You see, you know what sin is? It's re- essentially uh, rejecting God's authority in our lives. Saying, I don't care what you say, God. I'm going to do what I want anyway. Right? It's not giving God place in our lives. And I want to tell you, when we obey God, when we take his word seriously, when we live as he calls us to live, and we do so out of love, we are giving him great honor. Why? what an important thing for us to do. How about Psalm 15, 1 and 2? It says this lord who may dwell in your sacred tent who may live on your holy mountain the one whose walk is blameless who does what is righteous who speaks the truth from their heart you know what this is referencing it's talking about the fact that we can have close intimacy with god as we live a holy life who can dwell in your sacred place you know, it's those, it's those who take this seriously and none of us is perfect and all of us is on a journey as I'll talk about in a minute. But if you want intimacy with God, if you want that deep fellowship with God, we need to be embracing holiness in increasing measure. And then the last, 2 Timothy 2, uh, 21. This is a really cool verse those who cleanse themselves from the latter referencing various sins that have been described will be instruments for special purposes made holy useful to the master and prepared to do any good work you want to make a difference from god as you serve him seek holiness put it on the agenda of your life make it a priority in your life And and at that that point, God will really move and power through you. The the opposite point is quite striking. You can serve all you want in the church or otherwise, but if you're not living a holy life, you're not going to get used much by God. You're not going to really have the impact that you might want. So these are reasons that are are so important about why we need to, and and ought to, and and, and should long for holiness in our experience. Now, how do you take hold of it? Well, you know, I'm going to tell you something that might seem a little contradictory to what I've already spoken. The reality is that the Bible tells us to strive for and work at being holy and to make every effort to be holy, as Scripture says. But here's the truth. Holiness only comes to us by the work of God's Spirit. It is the work of God in us that makes us holy. We can't do it on our own. See, the reality is that it's it's the Holy Spirit that comes and moves us through this process of sanctification, sanctus meaning holy, a saint is a holy one, but he takes us through this process of sanctification. He gives us the desire for holiness. Do you desire holiness in your life? Is it a, is it a goal? Is it a priority? Is it, is it a deep longing? Well, God, by his Spirit, gives us that desire, and then he begins the work and he convicts us of various sins just one at a time so that we can, you know, as, as, as Hebrews says, just cast it off, throw it off those things which will, will hinder us. And then he, he, he leads us to repent before God and we are forgiven for our sin and through life he just leads us to a greater and greater and greater and greater degree of holiness. It's the work of God in us but at the same time we have to participate in this process. It's like we partner with God for something that we both long for and desire. And together as God works foundational work by his spirit in us and we choose it, we prioritize it we are changed so that as First Peter says, and we've studied it, be holy as I am holy, God says. We are changed to resemble God. Now, I don't know about you, but that to me is a remarkable comment. Do you know that you can be so transformed by God's spirit that you actually start to look like God? Remarkable. And this is what we're called to. So, how do we get from where we are To holiness. How do how do we move into this dynamic? Well, I want to again reference a man named John Wesley. I've learned about him recently. He was an Anglican priest in the late eighteenth century in England, and and he developed a method, if you would, for people to grow in holiness. Uh, After his death, the Methodist denomination was formed, Methodist. But this method that he drew people into, not only in his own church, but it spread widely and had a huge renewing movement in England and beyond. The method uh, was essentially to discover what he called the means of grace, the the idea of putting yourself before God, locating yourself in the presence of God, that God might work in you by his spirit. And there were various ways that, that this was encouraged, regular worship. You know, that's what you're doing right now. You have put yourself, you've located yourself before God. He's with us. And hopefully through me, I'm going to adequately communicate what's in this book so that you hear from him so that you will moved forward in holiness. I was thinking this morning, would any of you have thought about holiness today if you hadn't been here? I, I also thought I'd ask this question. Has anybody here ever read a book on holiness? Raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six. Well, that's fantastic. Oh, seven. Come on. How old are you? Seven. It must be a child's book on holiness. Well, good for you. Good for you. See, it's not a a common thing. But today you're hearing about, uh, you're hearing God's word. You're hearing something different. There's a a, a good and godly and holy challenge in what you're hearing because you are here. And God calls us to prioritize worship, and I hope that you do. Uh, Another means of grace was a daily devotional life where you sit with Scripture and you read it and you pray. And what does Scripture do? You know, Scripture acts like a mirror to us. You know, in one of those texts, it it, it talked about, I didn't read it, but, you know, one of the references to move away from a particular sin, it talked about gossip. Now, if I had never read about not gossiping, I wouldn't know I didn't, I I shouldn't. (laughs) But what God does by his spirit is he brings you this text, he leads you through various books that you're reading, whatever it might be, and it's like, oh my goodness, there's something that I shouldn't be doing. And God's spirit, this is, as a huge blessing in life, convicts us of our sins, and, and, and challenges us to repent of those sins and move away from them and become more holy. You see, you, you can't grow in holiness without the book. Because it's there that we discover what God wants us. You know, I was thinking this morning also, you know, it's, we don't develop our moral positions based on, on what we think. Oh, I think this is right and wrong. No, 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 no. That, that's not what a Christ follower does. We don't form our moral perspectives on what the culture suggests is right and wrong. No, not at all. We form our moral perspectives and understanding based on what God has spoken in Scripture. Then we've got to be in the book. And there, God's Spirit will just take that interaction as we locate ourselves in the presence of God, just us with himself, one-on-one with God, reading Scripture, being in prayer, and God's Spirit will open our minds. Here's the next step, Chris. Here's what I need you to, to work on. And he leads us forward step by step by step until, guess what? We're living a holy life. Sometimes it takes years. It does take years. But it's a beautiful and a remarkable thing. Well, while there are lots of other means of grace, even service. We did a whole series this summer on, on serving, remember? But by serving God, Wesley believed you. Put yourself in that place where you saw his spirit work in you and he changed your heart. And these people would go into prisons, which were, of course, notorious, or terrible places in the late 17th century in England. 18th century, sorry. And they would go to, to the poor and, and bless them and love them in the name of Jesus. But there was one key part of methodism that i want to bring to you and i want to tell you it'll probably shock you a little bit in this culture in the way we think but something powerful in it what he would do is he would form lots of small groups isn't that cool we do that but uh, you know when you got to the place where you were getting really serious about being holy you would join if you chose a group called the bands society b-a-b-a-n-d-s bands society and you would have to answer some questions in order to get into a band society where you were really going to grapple with the, the questions uh, that, that would be posed to you. And I'm going to read the questions asked, first of all, of people who were getting into the band society. Then I'm going to read the questions about, that would be asked at every single meeting, which happened on a weekly basis. So let's go ahead with those, that, those first questions. Well, listen to this. Do you desire that every one of us should tell you from time to time whatsoever is in his heart concerning you? oh by the way paul i've noticed this sin in your life that's what it was about or Jeanette, or whoever it might be are you open to that number two do you desire that in doing this we should come as close as possible that we should cut to the quick and search your heart to the bottom now people in the 21st century go wait a minute here let's keep going is it your desire and design to be on this and all other occasions, entirely open so as to speak everything that is in your heart without exception, without disguise, and without reserve. In other words, you are going to be really honest with this group of people of what's going on in your heart? See, people in 21st century North America balk at this. Whoa, I'm, uh, are you kidding me? Me share what's really going on in my heart, the good, the bad, and the ugly? And here the focus, quite frankly, are were those areas of sin in your life that were powerful? Let's carry on. What no one's sins have met with? Uh, What no one's sins are in your life? (laughs) Think about that. Here we are in a group of, say, ten people. Tell me your sins. How was you delivered? Older English. How did God free you from that? Or has he? What have you thought, said, or done of which you doubt whether it be sin or not? If you're not sure whether something's a sin, let's talk about it together. Go to scripture and figure it out. And then this, have you nothing you desire to keep secret? Same point. See, what Wesley was desiring, are there more questions or is that the end of it? I didn't bring them with me. Okay, let's do these. To speak each, a, each of us in order freely and plainly the true state of our souls with the faults we have committed in thought, word, or deed and the temptations we have felt since our last meeting. This is real openness. This is me coming together with people of love and of grace who will hear the truth of my life but still love me and accept me as Jesus has. To desire some person among us to speak his own state first and then to ask the rest in order that as many as searching questions as may be concerning their state, sins, and temptations. So somebody's going to start this meeting and they're going to tell you all about their stuff. And then he's going to ask you and you and you and you or she. And then we'll do the same has no sin, inward or outward dominion over you. We'll stop there. You get the point. These were groups that were formed by people who were absolutely committed to holiness, absolutely committed to saying, God, free me from these things which trip me up, according to Hebrews chapter 12. You know, teach me, enable me through community and through healthy, godly accountability to break free from this sin that has power over my life. And here's the message that 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 Wesley was so so aware of, we can't deal with sin on our own. It's too powerful. We need others, we need community, we need accountability to really break free. It's all based on the verse in James uh, 5 confess your sin to one another that you might be healed. Now, there's there's a verse that most Christ followers in North America don't give much attention to (laughs) because we keep our sins to ourselves we don't want anybody else to know and we keep our secrets and we stay under the power of sin and it destroys and it harms it it harms our lives it harms our relationships it harms our engagement in the world you see god is a holy god and we've talked about we need to be holy because god is holy that's 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 reason number 1 but he also speaks these these rules and regulations if you want to call them this instruction this torah this life-giving Um, torah into our lives in order that we might find life in christ he wants the best for us silly little illustration you know this week i've had a cold sore on my my lip right here can you see it at home can you see this it's getting better i'm susceptible to cold sores anybody else have this joy in life some of you do my mother did i think it's genetic it's this little virus that's there and every once in a while it just kind of creates this thing that's like sin. It's in us and it causes something. Well, You know this, this cold sore that I get once in a blue moon? I don't like it because it hurts. It doesn't enhance my life. It takes away from... This is a silly little illustration. but I want you to I make a point. It takes away from my experience of life. It doesn't make life better. <laughs> and that's what sin is in every regard. When God speaks, you know, live for me in this way, not in that way. He's saying... I want to bless your life. I love you so much. I want to know you I want you to know the the way to live in such a fashion that life gets better and and good, so that your life is made more whole, so that your relationships are made better, so your experience in the world is right and good. Think of the old testament commandments the, the Ten Commandments, you know you want to have a good relationship don 't commit adultery, right I mean hello. <laughs> You know, you want to have a good legal system that actually is just and right? You know, don't bear false witness against your neighbor. You know, don't envy your, your neighbor's wife. You know, you can't, you can't live with, man, I wish I was married to her and not to her. I wish it was married to him and not, not to this guy that I am married to. The way the New Testament puts it, it's learn to live with contentment. You see, if you're envying all the time, you'll never get to a place of joy and happiness and goodness and, and peace in life. But if you can take hold of contentment, you'll be so thankful for what you've got. You, see, you hear what I'm saying? God speaks um, his law, if you want to call it that, his law of love because he loves you in every regard. And, and he calls us to holiness so that we can become like him. Why? Because he's some cosmic dictator. No, because of a deep love that he has for his people. And it's written in here how to live in such a way. That you're throwing off those things which entangle you. You're throwing off those things which wreck your marriage. You're throwing off those things which harm you. And he gives us the means whereby we can change, grow, be transformed into his likeness. My friends, do you, want, do you desire holiness in your life? Is it, is it on the table? Is it a priority for you? Is it something that's really important to you that in your heart I want to I tackle a verse, and we really have to keep an eye on the clock today. Not that I'm ever long-winded, but you know. I want to tackle a verse that has been terribly misunderstood regarding holiness. And it's 2 Corinthians six, seventeen and 18. It's a quote from the Old Testament. It says this, Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Now, for so long, and this is back, I would suggest, in that legalistic era that the church found itself in. For so long, people have said, you've got to separate yourself from people who are unholy. You can't go near somebody who lives a sinful life. As if we don't live with sin in our lives, you know. <laughs> you know the big problem with that understanding of that verse? <laughs> it is this. This is a exactly... That thought is exactly opposite to the way Jesus Christ lived himself when he was among us. You see, what Jesus did, rather than distance himself physically from people, separating himself physically from people, is that he moved toward them. He engaged them. The Bible says he became the friend of sinners. Understand this. He didn't look at them and say, oh, you you terrible people, I'm going to judge you and I'm going to stay away from you because you might contaminate me some. No, he moved into relationship with people who didn't honor God by the way they lived. Because he loved them, because he was a God of grace, because he wanted to have good, profound impact in their lives. See, Jesus said, Matthew 9, 11 to 13, Lots of verses, but I want you to hear the word of God. When the Pharisees saw this, Jesus is at a party at Matthew's house, the tax collector, the sinners were there. That's how they thought of them, the the people they would never go close to. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. You hear that? Jesus went toward those people who needed to experience the forgiveness of God. Jesus went toward those people who needed to know that salvation was possible in Christ, that they could have their sin forgiven, that they could have reconciliation with God through Jesus. And it's so important for me to say this again. Listen, we do not come into relationship with God by the way we live. We do not, you know, earn, if you would, um, uh, a place in, in in heaven by moral living the only way we can have a relationship with god enter into the acceptance of god is by faith in christ he died on the cross he he paid my penalty i believe it and i'm going to confess my sin before god based on the work of jesus and as i do that i'm, I'm brought into the family of god moral living doesn't get you into the kingdom never has never will but we're in the kingdom. When, when we are in the kingdom, God cares about how we live. And he calls us to, say it with me, holiness. To become more and more and more like him. To find life in him. To honor him. To experience him in profound and beautiful ways. You see, why do we, why do, we do all this? Why do we um, come to that place in our lives where we actually recognize that, 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 uh, that we want holiness, holiness and put it on the agenda of our lives and give it importance and strive for it? Number one, we want to see God, not be blind to him. Number two, we want God to hear us so that he answers our prayers. We want to have deep, intimate fellowship with God as opposed to believing in a God but having no connection with him. We want to be useful to God while we serve. And listen, we want to honor God. Isn't that the most important thing? We want to say, you are my God and you have spoken and I will live according to your teaching because I am yours. And I'm going to honor what you have spoken i'm going to live in obedience to you out of love so my friends we don't separate and run away from people who are who choose to live a different life who who choose to live morally differently than we do if you would we move toward them just a really interesting point i want to make it's important um in this regard uh in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul writes to the Corinthian church. He's established it as a missionary and he's moved on. And he writes letters back to them. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he addresses a circumstance where there's a young man who's living in a, an illicit sexual relationship. It's likely, although it's not clear biblically, he's sleeping with his stepmother. That's the, the closest we can get to, in terms of understanding. But it's wrong. It's contrary to God's way and God's will and God's law. And Paul says... You know, you're, you're tolerating that as if that's a good thing, as if it doesn't matter. And you think you're so spiritual. And he goes, no, you've you got to get this right. He says, you need to remove that young man from your fellowship for his salvation, so that he will understand the significance of what he has done, so that he will repent, so that he will be saved. And that's exactly what happens. But after that engagement, Paul then writes this, 1 Corinthians 5, 9-11. I wrote you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or greedy or swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. But now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be your brother or sister but is sexually immoral or greedy or an idolater or a slanderer, a drunker or a swindler. Do not even eat with such people. Now, here is a profound Again, shocking comment to North American Christians. It's not sinners we're supposed to stay away from, people who believe, don't believe in God, don't believe in his word, don't trust his word. It's the people who are in the church who are refusing to live according to God's standards that we're supposed to deal with in that fashion. That's shocking, right? But that's the biblical call. No, we are supposed to, like as Paul says, you you, you can't stay away from non-believers who live, differently than you do you know it's, it's not possible he says rather we are to go toward them as jesus went toward them in love very quick point in our listening sessions when our denomination last uh winter was considering changes to belief in human sexuality and so forth a common question that was asked and it was reported back to the elders is how do you how do you um engage people who who are living a gay lifestyle And the assumption was that's not what the Bible calls folks to. And it was asked by a bunch of people, and I'm going to answer the question today. Uh, You know, it reflects a little bit of our history again, you know? I'm going to separate from some folks because they don't live in the way that I think they should live, or even what I think the Bible calls them to live. And people were saying, well, how do I go close to them? Like, Like, they just didn't know. It's an honest expression. Tell me how. Well, you know what the answer is? Be in relationship with them exactly the way Jesus was in relationship with folks when he lived among us. Go toward them. Love them. Treat them as people who are made in the image of God. People who have a dignity as a result. People whom God loves dearly. Become their friends. <laughs> Share a life with them. Engage with them. You see, our job is not to judge people. My goodness, How how long will it take for us to learn this? You know, the Church of Christ has judged the gay community terribly over the years and hurt many, many people and misrepresented Christ. We've got to stop that. We have to go toward them in love and open our lives to them. You see, our job is not to judge. (laughs) Our job is to love. Our job is to lead them to Jesus, to help them understand God's word, to help them understand God, help them trust God and to trust God's word so that the Holy Spirit can lead them in his own way, in his own time, to holiness. I'm going to wrap this up. But I want to to tell you from the bottom of my heart, and I want you to understand this, you can become like God. Like It's it's mind-blowing. People can look at you, and there's a resemblance in the the Father's child of the Father. By the way we choose to live. That's what holiness is. Uh, Be holy as I am holy, God says in both Leviticus and 1 Peter. I'm going to ask you to do this first of all. Recognize, again, that moral behavior behavior doesn't get us into a relationship with God, but once we're in that relationship, it counts. It's a big deal to God that his people live in a way that he lives according to his word. Number two... I'm going to ask you, will you ask God to make you holy? That's a profound question. Because you know what's going to happen if you ask God to make you holy? He'll get busy. And he will. And he, by his grace, by his spirit, is going to come into your life and say, Okay, Chris, time for you to deal with this one. That's contrary to my word. That's not the moral life I call you to. And then Chris is going to have to go, okay, and this might not be an easy thing, but I'm going to learn to repent of that, that I might honor my God. But will you ask that question? Will you pray that prayer? Number three, will you engage the means of grace, to use John Wesley's terms? Will you make worship a priority? Will you engage in service? Will you engage in a devotional life so that God's spirit might work in you? Will you locate yourself before God time and time and time again that he might do in you what he wishes? Even to the point of having a loving, healthy engagement in community with accountability. I didn't say this earlier, but is it possible that our life groups might deal with such things as the band society dealt with, that people might come to that place where they trust one another enough to share the sin they struggle with? And to experience the grace and the mercy of God in that context? I think that's possible. Of course it's possible. We have to be incredibly gracious people who will not reject people once they confess, right? (laughs) But accept them in love just as God does. God knows what's going on in their lives. We can learn to do that if we need to form particular life groups in order to do this. If there are people here who really want this, talk to James. He'll form a group, I know it. And you can become more holy. You can break free from those things which the the, the Hebrew says they entangle you, they trip you up, and they keep you from life in Jesus and the blessing that the Lord has for you. So your holiness can grow. You can come to resemble the Lord, you can be like Him. My friends, based on the authority of Scripture, this is God's will for you. Let's pray. Lord, it's an amazing thing, an amazing thing that you love us so much that you sent Christ to die for our sins, to bear our penalty on the cross, take our punishment, that Lord, as we've discussed previously, we escape the wrath of God and and your judgment. We become your children. You see us in the righteousness of Christ. But Lord, while we're there, you you have more for us. You want us to live holy lives before you. And you give us the blessing of your Holy Spirit who can come and work in us and transform us and change us. And little by little by little, we can just throw off that which entangles us. Step by step by step by your grace and your empowerment through the Holy Spirit. We are enabled to say no to sin and say yes to a righteous living. God, I pray for these people gathered here. I pray from the bottom of my heart that you will, that you will enable them to desire holiness, that you will enable them, Lord, to ask you to make uh, them holy. Lord, that you will do what you need to do so that in very real ways they will experience the means of grace, that they will, they will just do what is required to sit before you and be transformed by your, your word and by your truth and by your grace and by your love. Lord, out of your love you call us to holiness. And we pray that we might be transformed. We pray that we might be a holy church where we just say no to sin and yes to God. We pray, our Lord, that uh, we might honor you with our lives by taking your word seriously and then seeking to live our lives according to it. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for this precious book that leads us to life, and to joy, and to goodness, Lord, in you. As we pray in Jesus' name, amen.